If you have a Bible, we're going to be in the book of John chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. I'll have the verses up here on the screen. But before we dive in today, I want to let you know where the next few minutes are headed. Whether you're in this room, in an overflow room, here or at one of our other locations, or you're watching online, in just a few minutes... I'm going to offer two specific invitations to you. First, I'm going to invite you today to receive Jesus' invitation for you to experience new life in a relationship with him. So to be clear, this invitation is for everybody, whether you've grown up in church or this is your first time ever in church or watching church online. This invitation is for those who have questions about God and questions about faith. It's it's an invitation for people who may feel far from God right now, whether because of your past or maybe your present. It's an invitation for people who may have felt close to God at some point in your life, But that was a long time ago, and a lot's happened since then. So it doesn't matter your past, your present, your age, your personality, your background. This invitation is for you to experience life in Jesus by either beginning or maybe renewing a relationship with him. If you have any questions about where you stand before God today, I want to help you with those. And the second invitation is I'm going to invite you to make a decision today to be baptized as a follower of Jesus. So baptism is the first thing that followers of Jesus do. It's like a going public celebration and declaration that you are not ashamed to be a follower of Jesus. And I know there are many people here today here in this building, in other locations, across our city where we're gathered, or online, who have not taken that step for a variety of reasons. Maybe because you've yet to become a follower of Jesus, or maybe you became a follower of Jesus recently, or however many years ago, but for whatever reason, you've not done this yet. Or maybe you would say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Doesn't that count? And I'll say more on this at the end. But praise God that your parents saw faith as important when you were a child, and they expressed that faith, in a sense, on your behalf. But every time we see baptism in the Bible, it's a profession of your own faith, not someone else's faith. So today, you have a chance to affirm personally what others wanted for you however many years ago in a way that doesn't reject what they did for you, but affirms of my own volition I am following Jesus. Maybe you have an opportunity today to call your mom or dad or whoever and say, you hoped that I would follow Jesus. And today I made it public that I'm going, that I'm, I'm following him. So with all that said, some of you may be wondering, well, are we baptizing people today? How's, how's that social distancing? Because in the past we've baptized people on the spot at the end of our Easter gatherings here, provided clothes for people to change into and everything. But in light of sensitivities with COVID, we're going to do something a bit different. I'm going to invite people who decide today to be baptized as a follower of Jesus 
to respond in a particular way if you're watching online. Or for those of you who are in person, in this room and other locations, in Overflow, I'm going to invite you a few minutes from now to step out from your seat and walk to tables that are in the rooms wherever you are, including this room, and to pick up one of the bags on those tables that has information in it about how you can be baptized as soon as wisely possible. So I'm going to invite you to take that step of faith physically today. And what better day to do that than on Easter Sunday? What better time to take this step than this time that we're in right now? Coming out of this last year, a pandemic unlike anything any of us has ever experienced before, or many of us have been sick, we've seen others sick. I think about members of our church family. I think about Nancy Velasquez de Latif. I'll put her picture up here. A member of our church family for the last 20 years known for her smile, her contagious love for people, particularly women and children. So Nancy's story, she immigrated here from Peru as a young adult. She met her husband Najib in ESL classes that they were taking together. And this woman, who originally took ESL classes to learn English, started teaching people across our church family how to share the gospel in Spanish so that she could take them on mission trips to Latin America with her. So Nancy contracted COVID in February, just a couple of months ago. And at age 62, she ended up being in the hospital for about three weeks. But as we know, no age has been immune. I think about Juan Carlos another member of our church family who is 30 years old, proudly served in the U.S. Army. He contracted COVID near the end of last year and had to be hospitalized. This brother and his wife, Rebecca, is known for serving others, making people laugh, namely their three kids, Adriana, Elijah, and Matthias. And we all know Especially after this last year, it's not easy seeing someone you love sick. As I think about Juan Carlos and Nancy and their families and many others whose family members have struggled with this virus, I think about another story, the story of Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. So they were close friends of Jesus, and Lazarus became very sick. So Mary and Martha asked Jesus to come and heal their brother, just like they'd seen Jesus heal others. So they sent for him, and they waited, and waited, and waited, until Jesus didn't come, at least not in time. By the time Jesus arrived, Lazarus had been dead for four days. But when Jesus came, he brought three things with him. They're the same three things he brings to each one of us in our lives. Tears, truth, and an invitation. Tears, truth, and an invitation. First, tears. It's maybe the most fascinating part of this story because when Jesus arrives, Mary comes running up to him and she's weeping. Not just because her brother has died, but because Jesus didn't show up in time. Listen to her words in John chapter 11, verse 32. She says, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. Now, I don't want to spoil what's about to happen if you've never heard this story, but I'll just say that in a matter of minutes, Jesus is about to take Mary's tears away. But notice what Jesus doesn't do at this point. He doesn't say, Mary, just wait. Instead, you know what he does? Verse 33 says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled, and Jesus wept. So think about it. Why does Jesus weep when he knows he's about to remove the whole reason for weeping? And the answer is because this is what perfect love looks like. Even though Jesus knows Mary's tears will be temporary, he knows Mary's tears are real. And when you love someone who is hurting, then you hurt with them, right? Like I will never forget the first time I saw my dad cry. As a little kid at his dad's funeral, my granddad's funeral, I vividly remember that moment and see it like it was yesterday when my dad broke down and started bawling like a baby. And you know what I did? I lost it. I started bawling like I'd never cried before. Seeing my dad, my hero who I love, hurt like that. Love hurts with those who hurt, weeps with those who weep. So to think of the wonder of this scene, Jesus is God in the flesh who knows everything's about to change. Yet in this moment, God is making crystal clear to you and me that when we hurt, he hurts like no one else. I don't know what you've experienced in your life, what kind of hurt or pain or grief or loss comes to your mind in a moment, thinking like this, ways maybe you have felt alone or abandoned, been betrayed or abused, let down, or you have experienced disappointment or discouragement. But I do know this. In the moments where you hurt the most, and especially in the moments when others let you down or when no one else is around, Jesus loves you perfectly like no one else. Jesus brings tears and then truth. So watch this. Martha comes up to Jesus and says the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you'd been here, the story would be different. But now Lazarus is dead. Yet Jesus says something that turns the picture upside down to Martha. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What a statement. 
Do you realize what Jesus just said? Jesus just said that he has the power to make it all untrue. He has the power to turn death itself upside down, along with all the pain and hurt and fear and grief that come with death in this world. He has the power to undo it all. You know that feeling when you're asleep and you have a nightmare, like a horrible dream where all kinds of bad things happen, and you like feel the emotions of that dream, and it's just miserable. But you know that feeling then when you wake up and you realize, oh, it's not true. Just an unbelievably great relief. It's morning. Things are back to the being all right. But then, do you know that feeling when something bad actually does happen? Something you couldn't have dreamed or never would have dreamed. And you think, this, I just want this to be a bad dream. I just want to pinch myself and wake up and it, go back to being all right. All these bad things to just be undone. And this is the beauty of what Jesus just said to Martha. Jesus just said, I have power to do that. I have power to make even death untrue. I have power to undo it all. And if that's true, then that means death is not the end of the story. And that changes everything. That's when Jesus gives this invitation. Do you believe this? And Martha says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And the word she uses for Christ here is Messiah, the promised one. The one promised from the very beginning of the Bible, from the very beginning of creation, when man and woman were made and they sinned against God. They did what all of us have done. They turned from God and his ways to ourselves and our own ways. And as a result of sin, they were and we are separated from God. All of us are. And the penalty for sin is death, physical death in this world and everlasting judgment in eternity beyond this world. But the good news of the Bible is that God loves us and God has not left us alone in a world of sin and separation and suffering and death. God promised to send his son, Jesus, to do what none of us could ever do, to live the life we have not, could not live, a life of no sin, and then to die the death we deserve to die. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for the sins of anyone who puts their trust in him. And then... What we celebrate particularly today, three days later, Jesus did what no one else has ever done or could ever do. He conquered the enemy we could not conquer, death itself. Jesus rose from the grave. He is the resurrection and the life. And he says, whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? 
And Martha says yes, but she doesn't even realize the ramifications of what she said until Jesus says, let's, let's go to your brother's tomb. It was a cave, the Bible says, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of, instead of the Bible saying Lazarus, says the dead man as if to remind us he is dead. He's been dead for four days. She said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. But they took away the stone and Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who died came out his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And just like that, at the sound of Jesus' voice, the bad dream was over. It all became untrue. Indeed, death was not the end of the story. And this story has massive implications for your story, right where you're sitting right now. I pray that God will open your eyes right now to the truth that Jesus loves you perfectly. Right where you are sitting, he loves you perfectly. And he has given his life to pay the price for sin. And he's risen from the grave in victory over death. And he offers you an invitation today. In this world of hurt and pain and grief and fear of COVID and cancer and car accidents and unimaginable suffering and unfulfilled longings and broken lives and bad dreams, Jesus says, I have the power to undo it all. Jesus says, I have the power to redeem all that was lost and restore all that was broken in your life. I have the power to take all that is wrong in this world and to make it right. I have the power to turn the darkest night into the brightest morning. This is what Easter is about. Ladies and gentlemen, death does not have the last word. In a world of pandemic, viruses don't have the last word. Pain, hurt, grief, sorrow, injustice, abuse, abandonment, evil in this world, none of them will have the last word. Jesus will have the last word. He is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in him, though he dies, yet shall he live. Will live with him forever. The Canadian scientist G.B. Hardy put it this way. He said, when I looked at religion, I had two questions. One, has anybody ever conquered death? And two, if they have, did they make a way for me to conquer death? He said, I checked the tomb of Buddha, and it was occupied. And I checked the tomb of Confucius, and it was occupied. And I checked the tomb of Muhammad, and it was occupied. And I came to the tomb of Jesus, and it was empty. And I said, there is one who conquered death. And I asked the second question, did he make a way for me to do it? And I opened the Bible and discovered that he said, because I live, you also shall live. 
Do you believe this? And the word believe there is more than mere intellectual assent. Like all kinds of people say they believe in Jesus. A big deal. Even demons believe in Jesus. The question is, do you trust in Jesus as your life? What Todd said earlier, is he your parachute? Forsaking all, I trust in him. Do you trust in Jesus as your life? And your eternity hinges on your answer to that question. So I mentioned Nancy and Juan Carlos earlier. But I didn't tell you the end of their stories. After a three-week struggle in the hospital with COVID, Nancy breathed her last breath almost exactly a month ago today. And after only a couple of days with COVID, Juan Carlos breathed his last breath December 23rd, two days before Christmas. But ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement for you today. Nancy Velasquez de Latif and Juan Carlos are not dead. They are more alive today than they have ever been before. Because when Jesus is your life, death is just the beginning. Death is not the end. Death's just the beginning of forever in the presence of the God who loves you perfectly and will wipe away every tear from your eye. And he will make all things right and bring us to a place where there is no more sin and no more sorrow and no more suffering and no more death for all who trust in Jesus as the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is the most important question you could ever be asked. Do you believe this? I told you I have two invitations for you today. Invitation number one is for you to receive life in Jesus. I want to ask you, I wish I could sit down, just look into each one of your eyes and just ask you, so wherever you are right now, in this room, overflow, whatever location online, just before God, just to ask you, have you trusted in Jesus as your life? Such that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, you would live forever with God. So many people are banking their eternity on a I think so or I hope so or I think I'm a pretty good person, my good outweighs my bad. But that's not what determines your eternity. It's, that's not true. The question is, do you believe, do you trust in Jesus as the Lord of your life? Again, this might be your first time in church. You might have grown up in church. Maybe you've even called yourself a Christian. But truth be told, if you were to stand before God right now, it would be clear that Jesus is not your life. And for many, you have all kinds of excuses for not making Jesus your life. 
You say, well, I've still got questions. That's great. Today, you can start to get them answered. Like, begin that conversation now. It's too important to put off. Some say, well, uh, the church has too many hypocrites. But with all due respect, you know that has nothing to do with it. The medical profession has some crazy people too, but that doesn't mean you ignore all medicine. Besides, you've probably had your own hypocritical moments. So be glad Jesus loves hypocrites, including you. That's kind of the point. Jesus didn't come for the perfect, because none of us are. Jesus came for the imperfect, which qualifies every single one of us. You say, I'll do this later, but I want to warn you, there may not be a later. Can I just say as plainly as possible, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. No matter how young you are, like you're, none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. You or I could die at any moment. They're at home, on the way home, and this opportunity will be gone forever. And even if you live for many more years, you don't want to harden your heart toward God to hear the voice of God's Spirit speaking to you like He is right now, and you say, I'm going to put you off to another time. And God, let your heart harden all the more, and you never come back to this moment. I say to some of you, this moment could be your last opportunity. Today is the day. Don't make excuses. Today's excuses will be tomorrow's regrets. Five minutes into eternity, what are you going to be glad that you held on to that kept you from Jesus? The first invitation is for you to receive life in Jesus today. And then the second invitation is for you to decide today to go public, to be baptized as a follower of Jesus. And again, people make all kinds of excuses here, some of them the same. You say, I'm going to wait until this or that, or I'm just not ready. When the reality is, if you've trusted in Jesus, you are ready. And it's time. So you've been saying, I'm going to wait for this or that for years. Like, at what point are you going to have everything figured out and perfect? Like, today is the day. Now is the time to say, Jesus is my life. People say, well, baptism is not really that important. It doesn't make a big difference when or whether I do this or not. Are you serious? Are you really saying Jesus' first command to you is not that important? Not really a big deal when or whether you do that. If you won't obey Jesus' initial clear command to you, how are you ever going to go all the way with him? You say, well, what, what will people think about me if I step out or when I get baptized? And honestly, if you're saying that, please hear me in love. I don't think you get Christianity at all. Now, there are people around the world who get killed for being baptized. And you're wondering if you can step out from your seat or get wet one day. And again, you might say, well, I was baptized as a baby. And we talked about this earlier. Your baptism as a baby was a profession of someone else's faith, not your own. And praise God for that. We honor, you honor that faith and your parents or whoever. But today is the day to profess your faith. You have a chance today not to reject what they did, but to affirm what they wanted for your life. Here's the deal. When it comes down to it, the question is, do you trust Jesus as your life or not? That's the question. 
And this is a defining moment. Today is a defining day for you to do what God is telling you to do, to put aside your pride, to step out from your seat, and to say, I am ready to publicly declare that Jesus is my life. Two invitations. It's time to respond. So let me invite you to bow your heads with me. Wherever you are, whatever location, online, in this room, just between you and God, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you, before God, just between you and God, I ask you, is Jesus your life? Is Jesus your life? And if the answer to that question is not a resounding yes in your heart, then I want to invite you, right where you're sitting, right now, just to pray to him, to say in your heart, God, I want and I need Jesus to be my life. Just let faith arise as you pray to God. Say, I know that I have sinned in my life that separates me from you. I have turned from your ways to my ways. And today I am placing my faith in Jesus as the one who died for my sin and rose from the dead. Today I am trusting in Jesus as Lord of my life, now and forever. Now, with our heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that, if you just expressed that to God in your heart, then I want to ask you, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just raise your hand here in this room and other locations? Overflow online, praise God. I know I can't see everybody. That's not the point. This is before God. If you would say, I'm putting my trust in Jesus. This is my life today. Would you just raise your hand right now? before God, amen. Oh God, I pray for all these hands, the ones I see, the ones I can't. I praise you, Jesus, for saving them, for giving new life, eternal life with you. And I pray, God, that you would give this group the courage to do what I'm about to invite them and others to do next. As you put your hands down, here's the second invitation. Maybe you just prayed that to God, and you're going to celebrate that today by moving toward baptism. Or maybe you're already a Christian, but you've not been baptized since deciding to follow Jesus. And I want you to pray right now, God, please give me courage to do what I know you're calling me to do. Pray for courage to take this first step. As you take this first step, I guarantee you God's Spirit will give you all you need to continue every step after that. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray in just a moment. As soon as I say amen, we're all going to stand together at our different locations. And we're going to sing about new life in Jesus. And just as soon as we stand, for everyone who's ready to say today, I want to go public through baptism as a follower of Jesus. I'm going to ask you, if you're watching online, to immediately text that number that will be on the screen. And then if you're in this room, 
or another location, an overflow, wherever you are, I'm gonna invite you to step out from your seat and go to one of the tables in the middle, the back of that room to get one of those bags as a picture of you saying, I want to proclaim that Jesus is my life. God, I pray that you would give people courage right now, whether through texting online or stepping out of our seat in person to unashamedly say in this moment, today is the day, now is the time to declare Jesus is my life. Please give them courage to make this day that defining moment in their life and their relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.